Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. Several years ago, we did a a sermon series and a a study as a church on on this book, What Do I Believe? Your Beliefs, uh, Your Values, The Way You Live. In the preface, there's uh, there's a little introduction a distinguished sociologist embarked on a quest to answer this question. How did the marginal Jesus movement become the dominant religious force in the Western world within just a few centuries? By his estimate, the number of Christians grew to 33,882,008 believers (laughs) by AD 350. A movement that started with Jesus and a handful of his followers, it grew at an amazing rate. This professor was not a personal follower of Jesus, but was mesmerized by the influence of Jesus' life on the entire world. At the end of the unbelievers, un- unbelieving social scientist's extensive search, he wrote these words. Therefore, as I conclude this study, I find it necessary to confront what appears to, to me to be the ultimate factor in the rise of Christianity. Of course, he's an unbeliever. He doesn't understand much of Christianity, but he, he did say this. I believe that it was the religions, this religion's particular doctrines that permitted Christianity to be among the most sweeping and successful revitalization movements in history. And it was the way these doctrines took on actual flesh, the way they directed organizational actions and individual behaviors that led to the rise of Christianity the doctrines, the teachings of the church, the teachings of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, the truths of the scriptures. He really attributed the growth of the church, the development of the church, the the building up of the universal church in the world to the teachings of Jesus, the doctrines of the church. Uh, This this author, Randy Frazee, he, he summarized in a nutshell, the early Christians believed. They simply, by faith, believed with their whole hearts the powerful truths taught in the scriptures. It changed them from the inside out. The belief of the church, the doctrine of the church, the the statement of faith of the church, the confessions of the church that came from the apostles, that came from Jesus, that came from the word of God. We're called to believe and we're called to live out the truths of the Bible. For the first three and a half centuries, there are many opportunities for the church to compromise. Many, many opportunities for the church to compromise. And in our day, there's many, many opportunities for us to add teachings to the teachings of of Jesus in the Word of God. There's many opportunities for us to tolerate sin in the body of Christ, evil in the body of Christ, instead of holding on to the truths, the teachings of our God and Father. Uh, Compromise is everywhere. The opportunity to compromise, the opportunity to to deny Jesus, to to not live by his truth. Uh, 
this, uh, this, this winter, Elizabeth and I, we finally pulled the trigger and, and we're going to actually do a, a vacation together. We haven't done that in about 20 years. Uh, we did it with the kids. The, our vacations are all about the kids usually, but it's our 30th wedding anniversary. And we said, we better get out there and celebrate a little bit. So we're going to go to, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to uh, uh, South Fork. No, just kidding. Um, so... We're, we're going to get away to a beach somewhere, uh, and, and, you know, I, I found out that at this, at this beach, there's this marathon happening that goes right by our hotel. It's like, oh, man, that's, that's, like, I'm getting kind of up there in age, and there's a part of me like, hey, I, I can still show it, I can still do it kind of deal, but I tell you what, the last marathon I did, um, I compromised, and I suffered for it. I finished, but uh, I, my love of sweets... Man, incredible. Like at night, the sugar cereal, Reese's Puffs, they slay me. They, they, or ice cream, any kind of ice cream. And so I, I discipline in a lot of ways, but man, at night, those, those sweet attacks. Ugh. And so will I compromise and suffer, or will I hold to discipline, hold to the, the goal? Uh, th- these kind of things arise in, in many different Opportunities to compromise in many different facets of life. Brothers and sisters, are we holding to the truth of Jesus Christ? Are we as a church, as as a community of faith, as individuals, are we staying true to the teachings of Jesus, the doctrines of the church? Or are we adding things or subtracting things according to what we want, according to our pleasures or our, our desires? Are we tolerating sin and evil in our lives? Or are we staying faithful to Jesus? Please open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. Continue our sermon series through the book of Revelation. We're going church by church. What does Jesus have to say to the church of Pergamum? May God bless the reading of his word. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast to my name. You did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So also you have those who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I'll come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who is in ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We'd rather have you, Jesus, than anything. And yet, oftentimes uh, in, in our lives, sometimes we find ourselves maybe willing to be compromised or willing to uh, believe things that you do not teach or that you've taught us not to believe in, uh, we, we ask that you would come with your piercing 
with your piercing word, with your insight, with your, with your wisdom, and, and speak to us, Lord, about whether or not we've been faithful to you. We, we know when we live faithful lives, faithful to, the, to your teachings and your truth, Lord, we, we know the outcomes of that are always good, even in the short term if we suffer for it. Long term, we know that there's heavenly inheritance and reward. But Lord, uh, you know us, you know our situation, you know our setting, you know the things that we might be compromised in or the things that we might have turned away from. So speak, Lord Jesus, to each one of us individually and uh, call us back to faithfulness, to your word and your truth and to you. Lord, we would rather walk with you when we're in our right mind, when we're seeing things clearly, we would rather be with you than anywhere else in the world and uh, hold to your, your, your teachings, your truths. We, we would, Lord. Give us that grace to, if we need to, return to faithfulness to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the church in Pergamum, Pergamum was a, uh, you know, like these Greek cities, these, these, these cities in the Roman Empire, you can say one thing about many of them, kind of, and they fit in a, a similar kind of package. But Pergamum was special in some ways. Uh, it was a very intellectual center like Athens or Alexandria, Egypt. It was, it was famous for its smarts, so to speak. Uh, they, they became famous in, in, for many different reasons, but they were the, one of the first places where parchment was, was used consistently. They took, you know, cattle skins, animal skins, and they, they found a process of turning it into paper so they could write on it. They weren't the inventors of it, but they're the ones that popularized it. And so in, in, in that day and age when many people were illiterate, they had a library in Pergamum that had more than 200,000 volumes. Uh, and it was a big deal, and, you know, without a printing press, with, you know, there's the, the, the people writing those out. It's an incredible process. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a city, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a, the special people there, the important people are there in, in many ways, but it's also a center of, of idolatry, a center of, um, there, there's kind of four gods uh, that were worshipped there, the, the, the gods of uh, Dionysus, uh, Zeus was, was a big, had a big temple there, uh, Athena had a big temple there, and let me see if I can say this right, I, I was struggling to say it earlier in the week, but uh, uh, Askeetl, Askedali, pious? Boy, I, can't, I can't get it out. Um, maybe, maybe you guys will, will say it. Um, uh, it's just so strange, such a word. But you know that, that the medical symbol sometimes we see in the United States or sometimes around the world with the, with the pole, with the snake around it kind of deal? Um, it, the caduceus is, I think, caduceus, I think, in some places with, with the one thing. Uh, with, uh, but the, the aski. Pious, I should have wrote it down. <laughs> uh, but the, the, this, this symbol, it's the God of healing. Uh, the, the, the Pergamum was a center for the God of healing kind of deal. And their symbol was two snakes with the, I think, no, that's the caduceus, the, the, one, the one, one pole with the one snake around it, the God of healing. Eschesis, I think, something like that. But I'll get it by the end of the sermon. Um, but really, uh, they, they worshipped these, these gods, and it was a huge deal. It, the, the, these, these four gods, and there was other gods. And the way it worked in ancient society was you, as a citizen, were expected to offer sacrifices to these gods. You, as a citizen, were expected to participate in the veneration of these gods. You, as a citizen, were, 
we're called out to be a big participant in the worship of these gods. And if you didn't, if you refused to do so, uh, you were called an atheist. You were called superstitious. You were called somebody that wasn't in support of the citizenry and the town that you were uh, raised in and grew up in. You were, you were an outcast. You were treated, the, the, the guilds, the trade unions, they all had their little gods that they worshipped, the man-made gods from our, our perspective. And if you didn't participate, hey, guess what? You just lost your job or you didn't get the contract or you were pushed out, out, out of business. Okay, so if you're a plumber here or, or a, a contractor here, if you didn't play along with the gods, if you didn't worship those gods, guess what? Your family's not eating uh, because you wouldn't uh, allow, be allowed to do business there uh, because the gods were the ones who blessed you. Those gods of Zeus or Dionysus or Athena or the other gods, they're the ones who took care of you. You better take care of them. You better appease them. You better love them kind of deal. So the, the, the idolatry was strong in Pergamum, but the, the thing that's, that stands out about uh, Pergamum is, is the way that um, the apostle describes as the seat of Satan, the, the hometown of Satan, if you were, if you want to describe it that way. The, uh, the Roman Empire had a big presence in Pergamum. The, the, the temple there to Augustus Caesar was massive and it was important. And uh, the, for much of the region, it was kind of the, the place where the, uh, the Roman authority, the, the Roman administrator, proconsul, or whatever, you know, whatever it was in the region there, they were, uh, they were in charge there. And so uh, the way it would, would go is, is that not only were you expected to worship the local gods, but the, the cult uh, of the empire, the emperor worship. Uh, you were expected to worship the emperor as well. And, and through various rites, through various rituals. Uh, if you got turned in by the local people, hey, they're not, these people, these Christians aren't worshiping our God, you know, then, then they'd appeal to the Romans, they'd turn you in. And then, hey, you want to show your allegiance? Worship the emperor. Bow the knee to him. Light a candle to him or whatever the requirement was. If you didn't, uh, you could suffer. And in fact, some did suffer greatly, and they gave of their life because they refused to deny Jesus. Uh, so Jesus comes to this church, and, and in every one of these, these letters, there's some characteristics of Jesus that are, are meeting a need of the church or speaking to the situation of the church. And so when Jesus comes to the church that's living in this town, that's, that's uh, you know, <laughs> you better get in line with the false gods and you better worship them or you're in trouble. When he comes to them, he says, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. The Roman broadsword, it, it kind of looks like a tongue. It's, wide, it's, it's broad and it's kind of short. The cavalry used it. It, it was uh, it, it, a symbol of Rome. The peace of Rome was kept by the sword of Rome. Kind of deal, and so Jesus takes off of that 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 imagery uh, with, with the Roman. He knows that the Roman Empire is strong in, in the city, and he says, "Hey, you, you want to talk about power? You want to talk about might? You want to talk about authority? I have it. I will come to you with the sword in judgment. I will come as the one who's ultimate in power. The the Roman Emperor doesn't hold a candle to me." The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, the one you ultimately answer to. How are you responding to me? How are you living for me, Christians? Uh, in every one of these letters, there's, uh, there's some commendation given. I know where you dwell, 
where Satan's throne is, verse 13, yet you hold fast to my name. So they're in the place where the Roman power is mighty and the Roman uh, emperor worship is mighty. And if you refuse to bow the knee to the emperor, uh, you're going to suffer for it. Uh, yet you hold fast to my name. And the, the imagery there is a strong grip. A strong grip on his name. And the name represents all of Jesus. So not only his character, his identity, uh, one of the problems with false religion, one of the problems with, uh, with uh, man-made religion, is it, if you adhere to it, if you walk into it, if you hold on to man-made religion, it always dumbs down the doctrine of God. It always makes God lesser than he is. We always want to keep our theology pure. We, we want to keep our, our doctrine pure about God, his identity, who he is uh, in, in false religion. So they're holding on to Jesus. They're holding on to the truth of who he is. They're holding on to his name. Everything that his name represents, they're clinging to it. And so it's quite a, a you know, applause. It's quite a, a big thing to say that. You did not deny my faith. Uh, so they're, they're witnessing to him, they're, they're, they're glorifying him, they're honoring him in, in various ways. Even in, in great persecution, even in great times of suffering, the days of Antipas, my, Antipas, my faithful witness, uh, th there was a persecution that came previously, there's going to be persecution that comes again upon the church, and, and he's, he's commending them like, thus far, you've stayed faithful. You've kept my word, you kept my truth, you kept my... Well, did they keep the doctrine... Did they keep Jesus' teaching? Uh, it says in verse 14, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. Uh, anybody read the book of Numbers recently? Okay, let's read it this morning. Oh, no, we, we won't read it. But it, Balak and Balaam have a huge part at the end of Numbers. Like for four chapters, Balaam's name comes up again and again and again. See, Balaam was a seer, a witch, a sorcerer, whatever name you want to use. And people would pay him to curse people or pay him to bless people. So Balak, the king of the, the Moabites, he hired Balaam to curse the Israelites. The Israelites were coming, you know, after 40 years in the wilderness, they, they just defeated the Amorites. And now they're moving to the land of Moab. And the king's freaking out. He doesn't have the power, so he, he, he hires a sorcerer. He hires someone to curse Israel. And so there's this long, this long drawn-out account of four times he was given the opportunity, five times he was given the opportunity to curse Israel, and God kept interceding. Remember Balaam's donkey? Remember the, the guy when he's riding the donkey, and the donkey sees the angel, but he doesn't? The angel has a sword, and this, this is pertaining. There's so many allusions to Revelation to the Old Testament. The, 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 the angel has a sword, and, and, and when a donkey talks, you know, God reveals, hey, I would have killed you if the donkey hadn't turned aside uh, with the sword. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, so, so it goes through this long process of Balaam. Uh, the, Balak says, curse him, curse him, curse him. But again and again, by God's grace and by God's power, uh, Balaam blesses Israel. Okay, and so he just goes away finally, but, but then there came this, this account, and, and you can look at it, uh, Numbers 31, Numbers 31, uh, verse 16, uh, it, kind of a summary statement going on here. Uh, Behold, these, on Balaam's advice, caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Peor. 
So the plague came upon the congregation of the Lord. So what, what's he talking about? But notice Balaam gave some advice to Balak. Even though Balaam didn't curse Israel, Balaam brought a strategy to weaken God's people so that they wouldn't walk with God, so they would disobey God. Uh, and what was that strategy? What was that, that emphasis? If you look at Numbers 25, verse 1, um, and uh, this, this always, when I was a new Christian, this always made me laugh when I tried to read a lot through the Old Testament. While Israel lived in Shittim, <laughs> it's a, the, the Acacia Grove, I think is what it means, the Valley of the Acacias or the Acacia Grove. The people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal, the Baal of Peor, a, a, a false god, a, a god that the people worshipped in the area. And the anger of the, Lord, anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And so what, what happened was uh, Balak had this idea. Uh, you curse, curse Israel, weaken them so that I can go and attack them and kill them. But Balaam, he wouldn't curse Israel, but he did give Balak an idea. How about you tempt them with sin? How about you tempt them with food, like at your festival? How about you tempt them with sexual immorality? And so what apparently happened was uh, the Moabite, the Midianite women, whatever word you want to use there, the Midianite women, they went, they approached the camp of Israel. Hey, come to our, we're having a feast for our God. And think about it. Uh, they've been living off of what? Israel's been living off of manna for decades. Oh, come and eat our roast beef. Come and eat our roast pork or whatever, right? And they can smell it in the air. Kind of like some of the restaurants that seems like they blow fans out in their, their smells, right? As you go by so that you'll be tempted to go eat. Uh, and, and unfortunately, the guys, you know, most of the guys are married, but it says they begin to whore with the, the people of Moab. And, and whether they're temple prostitutes or there was married women, the Midianite women, were, they, they decided that, hey, if we're going to defeat this people of Israel, we need, to, we need to weaken their resolve. We need to get in and divide them from their God. And so uh, Satan's power behind the scenes instigated the, the Moabites to tempt Israel to sin, and they did. And it was a horrible, horrible moment for Israel. God sent a plague that killed, well, in, in numbers, 24,000 of the men. Right before they were going to go into the promised land, they, 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 they fell. Because, and, and what was the problem? Well, they, they worshipped the false gods of Moab. And then they indulged, it was not only idolatry, but then immorality. And it seems like that often follows. Once we fall, fall into believing something false about God, or we, or we fall into worshiping false gods, it seems what often comes right after is immorality. And that was the beauty of this statement that this, you know, this guy made. You know, they, they held about Christianity in the early centuries. They held to the beliefs. They held to the doctrines. And it changed their life. They lived different lives. Their, their whole identity was changed. Their whole, their villages, their towns were changed as they accepted Christianity and they walked with Jesus. Pure doctrine, holding to, to God's truth and revealed truth and God, God's revealed word often will lead to a changed life for the good, for the better. All ships are rising into righteousness and holiness. 
and everyone is affected positively. So, uh, so what's happened in Pergamum? Well, uh, there's this group called, uh, and we're not sure if they called themselves this or if it was a name that Jesus gave them, but this, uh, the teachings of Balaam. Okay, and the other, the other, the other group there is the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. Okay, the teachings of Balaam. Uh, it's not like that there was this organized, maybe this organized theology. It's more like whether, the, whether these people, see, they're calling themselves Christians, right? They're, they're, they're part of the church in some ways, but they have decided they're going to go worship the gods of Pergamum. They're, they're, they're given a green light. It seems that what's happening here is that they're worshiping Jesus, but they're worshiping the other gods. And the Nicolaitans, they're also doing the thing. You can do whatever you want. You're free to do whatever feels right, whatever feels good, to, to live the way you want. You don't have to be conformed to God's teaching, the word of God. You don't have to be conformed to Jesus' commandments. And so the, the strategy of, of Balaam whether they knew it or not, they were, they were causing the church, they were causing the church to compromise, uh, whether they meant to or not, they, they were living out the strategy of, of, of Balaam by saying, hey church, it's okay if you come to us, with us, we're going to go worship at the temple of Zeus, we're going to go worship at the temple of Dionysus, we're, we're going we're to worship those gods, it's okay, God understands we can worship Jesus and those gods. Compromise, syncretism, trying to bring religions together in such a way that God never intended. And, uh, and really, the church, the people are tolerating sin and evil in their lives. And they're denying Jesus' commandments. They've walked away from the pure teaching of the church. They're walking away from the doctrines of the church. And they're making up their own hybrid religion. Uh, there was, a, I'll tell you a story, probably about 15 years ago, there's this gal and her family came to our church, and, and after a while she started singing on the worship team, and she had a, a beautiful voice, and she seemed to fit in really well. But after a while we started noticing some things, there was some, there was some uh, character issues that came forth. Um, you know, she got baptized in the church, and, and it, we, it was really frustrating in a lot of ways, because she just wasn't, she wasn't loving, she wasn't, you know, as we thought she, she would be, and uh, I confronted her one day and, hey, tell me what's going on here with this and this. And, and I found out, she, she, she let me know, yeah, I've, I've, I'm a Christian, but I'm also a witch. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was a radical moment for me. It was like, what? <laughs> and she said, yeah, I belong to the lo- local coven. Uh, we, I practice Wicca. And uh, in, in my, in, you know, I, I don't see a problem with being a Christian and being, I, I go in the local covenant of witches, I'm a part of that, and we, we do incantations, we do spells, we do all kinds of things. And, and I was like, like I, who, how does someone see, don't, you know, but in her mind, it was, it was an easy, I pray to Jesus for these things, and I control my life through the spells, through the incantations, through the Wiccan rites. I, I control my life, I control my family kind of a thing, but in her mind, they, they, were, they fit just right, okay? So it was a moment in her, in her life where the, the, she needed some clarity. She had departed from the way of Jesus. She had added other gods to the God, the only God, the true God. Uh, and, and so we had a, quite a conversation, and uh, she just was really frustrated that she couldn't stay at Living Water and serve on the worship, worship team and, 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 you know, continue being a witch, <laughs> Uh, they left the church, 
But it's at that moment where it becomes really interesting to see what Jesus is talking about here. Because what, what does Jesus say to them? I know your works, the Pergamum, your toil. Or I'm sorry, I'm reading it from Ephesus. Some were holding the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. So they might eat food. So also have some hold the teachings of Nicolaitans. Um, you have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. So here's the deal. Like the church is saying, we're a church of Jesus, but you have some in your midst that you haven't challenged about their beliefs. Remember in the church of Ephesus where uh, Jesus commended them for testing the, the so-called apostles and finding them false and not allowing them to be in the church? Jesus says, you as a church are allowing people with the teachings of Balaam, the Nicolaitans, they're worshiping multiple gods, and you're allowing them to stay in the church. You're allowing them to participate in the, in, in the life of the church. Where's the church discipline? Where's the, the challenge for them to repent? Where's the challenge for them to, to, to stop with those other gods, those false gods, to stop with the sexual immorality? Uh, and I, I didn't mention that. In many of the temples... Uh, Athena and uh, Dionysus, uh, there's, there's temple prostitutes. And so the, some of these, these groups would say, these cults would say, hey, come and worship at this temple, and, you know, we're, we're going to worship God through sex. It's all good. And, and so Jesus is saying, you're letting these people go on in your church, living in these immoral ways? May it not be. Repent. Change. Don't let false doctrines stay in your church. Don't let falsehood stay in, in your body. Uh, and so there, there's, there's application here for us to ask the question, have I syncretized things? Uh, have I, have I, am I living a double life? Am I believing in Jesus but worshiping other gods on the side? Am I believing in Jesus but following actually that God for my practical way of living? Or as we as a church... Are we worshipers of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? We hold to a statement of faith, an orthodox doctrine, but in practice, are we depending on that God? Or are we allowing people in our, in our church to live according to cultural standards and cultural beliefs and cultural uh, ways of living and deny Jesus at the same time? It's, it's a great question. Are you with Jesus today? Are you living according to his teachings? Are you faithful to Jesus or not? Are you true with your Lord? Or have you added other religion? Have you other, added other gods to the mix? Uh, it, it's, it happens all the time. Um, for instance, horoscopes or astrologers. Uh, I mentioned it several months ago, but I'll say it again. Uh, right now online, big business is, is astrologers. You know, call in, uh, leave a 1995 uh, thing on your credit card, and I'll tell your future. And I'll tell you how to live, what, the, what the, the Spirit says that you should live this way or that way. Sometimes there, there's this mixture of religions in our midst. Uh, in our day and age, people aren't so much interested in truth as they are in experience and having a good life. So people are going to do whatever, whatever helps them in their life. And so right now, um, uh, especially among younger people, horoscopes or, or astrologers are very popular. And people are... I'm a Christian, but instead of praying to God for wisdom, instead of seeking out God's way, instead of asking him to show me the way, I'm going to call some spirit guide and ask for that person to guide me into what I need to know. 
That's, that's, that, that's, that's a false religion. That, that's practicing a faith that isn't um, of Jesus. There's a worldview there that, that, that isn't healthy. There, there's a way of thinking that isn't healthy. Is God the Lord or not? Is God in charge? Is He sovereign or not? Or are there other gods that I, I, I need to manipulate or use to my, my ends? Uh, I'll give you uh, maybe an, an, there's, there's, there's idolatry on one level. Uh, are we, have we become idolaters of other gods? But then there's immorality on a second level. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. But do we go through our weeks stealing, lying, deceiving, uh, ripping people off? Do we go through our weeks um, trying, to, trying to use people for our ends uh, in a non-Jesus way, in a non-moral way? Do we, do we obey the commandments of Jesus or not? I'll give you an example. Well, in, in our day and age, of course, uh, the sexual revolution going on in our country, uh, it's, it's affected us in many ways. Um, the church has had to deal with many, many questions of the new sexual ideologies, the, the new sexual ways of living. Uh, do we bless same-sex unions? Do we accept uh, gay marriage? These kind of things. Uh, it, but the biggest problem, the biggest thing in our, in, our, in, our, in our churches these days is actually the heterosexual sexuality. Uh, for many, many years, of course, the, the, the church has capitulated, has compromised with the world in terms of who you can sleep with and who you can't sleep with. Uh, we, we, we live in a day and age where it's become acceptable, you know, like on the third date, you know, if you're in the world and you're dating, by the third date, you should probably expect sex at this point. Uh, that, that, that's bled over the church where it's okay if you fall in love with someone, if, then you can sleep with them even if you're not married or not. Uh, these kind of things. And l- let me give you an example from, from my, my family. Uh, my dad, uh, he died about 20 years ago, and I still miss him, and I, I still love him. But, uh, boy, he made some bad mistakes in his life. Uh, he made some choices that uh, had ram- ramifications for his family. Um, as all of our choices do, we don't just affect ourselves, we affect others. Uh, my, my dad fell in love with a woman, and... Uh, and they, 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 they started talking about marriage. But then when she found out that she, she would lose a lot of her, her social security benefits or governmental benefits, they decided just to live together. And, uh, and you know, for me, I was a new Christian at the time. I, I kind of pushed back against my dad and I said, what about this? And, oh, Jesus will understand kind of deal. He'll understand how hard it is if, if we lose our benefits. And so they just, they, you know, are sleeping together, living together, and they were all good. But what really broke my heart is, is their church. You know, the, is, are we as a church, are we, are we being like the Pergamums, per, you know, the Pergamon church and just doing whatever, whatever seems right or whatever feels right instead of being living by scripture and living by doctrine? Uh, the church, it was a Methodist church and, and, uh, and I think it was, I can't remember if it was Caldwell, Idaho or Napa, Idaho, but the church, you know, they, they went there and, hey, can we become members of your church? And, and, and the church said, come on, it's all good. And, and it broke my heart that the church welcomed them into the membership even though they were living in sin. You know, it's like the church didn't care. And the church in Pergamum, you know, like, are there standards? Are there Jesus' standards? Are there Jesus' commandments or not? How you live and what, what's your choices? What's your decisions? Uh, Jesus is coming to the church in Pergamum. He says, repent. Uh, there's, there's so many other uh, facets of this we could talk about. What about sports in our culture? At what point do sports become a god 
that pull us away from Jesus. Ponder that. Think about that. Uh, and it's a gray area. It's, 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 it's strange. But what does Jesus say to these, these, these people who have compromised? They, they're saying, yeah, they're in our church and they're going to do what they want. No, Jesus wants them to call them out. Jesus wants them to do church discipline. Jesus wants them to be pure again, to get back in line with his teachings. Uh, the church is going to die if we become like the world. If we live by worldly standards, worldly doctrines, worldly truths, worldly teachings, uh, we will not last as a church. Uh, Jesus uh, says to them, uh, and, and so there's, there's kind of a warning he gives. It's not kind of a warning. It really was a warning back in the day that he gave to that local church. Therefore, repent, verse 16. If not, I'll come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He's, uh, he's, he's saying, I'm coming. If you don't, if you don't straighten things out, I'm going to come to the church and I'm going I'm to discipline those who are doing this. It's not going to be pleasant. But, verse 17, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So there's, there's this, this call to repent, call to change. If you are uh, someone here today, maybe you've mixed religions together, maybe, you, maybe you're worshiping other gods, maybe you're living in, not, not maybe there's this idea of, of maybe you're an idolater in some way, but maybe you're living in an immorality in some way and you know it. Jesus says to you right now, repent, turn away, start living according to the standards that I've given you. You're my people. Live according to my standards, my teachings, the doctrine of the church. Come back, in other words. Turn around. Get right. If you do, he has an ear. Let him hear the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers. Right? We're, up, until, up until we die, we're, we're called to be faithful. Up until we die, up, or even the natural death or persecution, we're, we're killed because of our faith. Stay faithful to the end. Stay true to me. Jesus says, don't mix religions, don't mix, mix doctrines from other religions with your doc, your, the Christian doctrine. Don't worship other gods. Stay faithful. He, I will give uh, some of the hidden manna. <laughs> and that this is an allusion back to numbers as well. Uh, the, again, think about the people moving through the wilderness, manna. Uh, they come to, uh, to, to Moab and, and, and they're tempted to to go to the festival and eat some real food, so to speak. They're, test, they're, they're tempted to eat the worldly food. And they give in. And Jesus turns that around and, and he wants us to use our imaginations. He wants us to, to think about, it. to those who conquer, to hold the faith to me, they keep walking with me, I'll give some of the hidden manna. What, what possibly could that be? <laughs> some attribute it to the, the banquet in the kingdom of God. When we eat with, at Jesus' table one day, the manna that we can't yet see. The, uh, and so what, what, what he was saying to them, in, in, in some sense, like the, these Balaam people that you're emulating, they, 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 they went after worldly food. You keep walking with me. You keep living for me. You keep faithful to me. I'm going to give you, as it were, kingdom of God food. <laughs> and you just have to wait and see what that is. But it's a, it's a blessing. It's, it's, a, it's a wonder. It's, it's stunning. What are you depending on? Who are you depending on in your life? Stay faithful and you'll see. He says to the one, to the one who conquers, I'll give a white stone. Uh, we don't really know what this means. 
The Jewish people, uh, when people would be on trial sometimes to acquit somebody that was in a, a, a trial, they'd, they'd, they'd vote by a white stone would mean acquittal. Sometimes to enter concerts or to enter uh, certain uh, events, your pass or your ticket, so to speak, was a white stone. And so in many ways, it's probably saying, if you continue to conquer, if you continue to be faithful, even in the face of persecution or death or suffering, uh, acceptance is yours into the kingdom of God. And the new name, a, a new relationship that only you know, that, that's, uh, we have no clue what that means. Some have guessed, and I, I find the guesses um, just, just guesses. But something precious, uh, part of a new family, a, a new status before God is part of the kingdom of God. That's your inheritance. Would you trade that inheritance, whatever the glory of it is, for worldly gods and worldly promises of those gods? I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather walk with him and get, let him be my reward. And you should too. Brothers and sisters, let's stay true to Jesus in all ways. Brothers and sisters, let's stay true to his teachings in all ways. Let's obey his commandments in all ways. Let's not compromise. Let's be intolerant of wicked ways in our church. Let's be intolerant of evil ways in our church and in our lives. Let's live faithfully to Jesus to the very end. Would you please stand in the Lord's presence? Lord God Almighty, we think of uh, little Ella and uh, little babies in our, in our midst right now. We think of the little children and, and what kind of a church will they grow up in? Will they grow up in a faithful church? Will they grow up in an obedient church? Will they grow up in a true church? Or will they grow up in a compromised church, a worldly church, a fallen church? Lord, give us the grace to, as adults, as men and women, whether we're, we're members of this church or not, give us the grace to follow you with our whole life. Give us the grace, Lord, to believe your teachings and live out your teachings faithfully. Lord God, give us the grace and give us the power, give us the, the might to overcome. Lord, we, we, we know those, those people back then, man, they're, they're, they're so tempted to compromise. If only they compromised, they'd fit in. If only they compromised, they'd be welcomed. If only they compromised and started worshiping at those temples, they'd have business They'd have prosperity from the local culture. We understand, Lord, why they might give in. But please, Lord, whatever we're feeling compromise, the temptation to compromise in or the temptation to bend and flex and, and give up our faith in you, give us grace to say, no, we will not depart from you. We will not disobey you. We will not leave or forsake you, Jesus. Give us the grace and power. If, if there's things in our lives, even right now, that we need to repent of, Please show it to us, Jesus, and give us the, the, the ability, give us your grace to, to leave it behind and turn back to faithfulness to you. You are worthy, Lord. May, may our, our lives be acts of worship to you in all ways, for you're worthy. And may the little children in our midst, may they grow up seeing a godly church, seeing a godly church with godly men, godly women who are devoted to Jesus and his ways. And may the generations again thrive 
as Christianity, as the, as the word of God, as the gospel spreads throughout our valley. Be blessed, Lord, by your church and bless us to be a blessing to our neighbors. We love you, Lord. Thank you for meeting us here today. Thank you for letting us worship you today. We love you too. Send us out in the world now to be your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless everybody. Go in the peace and the power and the grace of your God. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.